Hey, this is PJ Souls, and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! Keep listening. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that always observes the rules of halloween my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we continue our descent into the mouth of march madness as we travel back a scant 10 years Mm -hmm. and talk the horror films celebrating a decade of diabolical deviance Mm -hmm. as we break down the horror classics from our 2007 bracket Nice, nice alliteration, dude. Ah, thanks. You know, yeah. weave into that when I can there. <laughs> I dug it. But before we get into that game, let me remind you, we are part of the ever-expanding Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts over at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your millennium hole. So before we get into, back into the the mouth yes. of March Madness, I want to go ahead and talk about the previous results from our previous brackets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had great audience interaction so far. There's been some awesome entries, man. There has been some fantastic ones. So uh, we did leave it up to you guys to vote over in 87 between Prince of Darkness and Near Dark. Mm-hmm. And the winner is... This is not a dream. <laughs> we are coming to you in a podcast form. Hey, everybody. Guess what? I win. He does. John Carpenter does eke out over Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. And yes. speaking of Carpenter. And it was a tough fight, too. It was. But speaking of Carpenter, if you're in the Kansas City area. Yes. Here Ooh, on mm-hmm. uh, April 8th at the Screenland Armor, mm-hmm. the uh, Kansas City Horror Club is a part sponsor of what is this, Genius? Carpenter Fest 2. Hey, we're going to have a good party, man. We're going to show some movies. We're going to have a couple of beers. It's going to be great. Now, JC, are you saying you're going to make an appearance? Maybe. <laughs> okay, by no means will right. John Carpenter make an appearance. <laughs> my, my impersonation will make an appearance. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. <laughs> but that's about as close as JC. Let me also ask, dope. in terms of the three films that are screening there, will mm-hmm. a Buck Flower be showing up? Maybe once or twice. That Buck Flower going to be up in there. You know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So you guys know this is going to be fantastic. It's Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. They live. Uh, they live. Uh-huh, and Big Trouble in Little China. And then mm. also an exclusively an exclusive Carpenter Fest 2 t-shirt. And it's a rad t-shirt, too. So you can get your pre-sale tickets now. Just go check them out on the Facebooks. And yeah. I can't wait for it. Now, it's, I'm going to be kicking back be as a spectator on this one. I fully <laughs> enter, I want you guys to entertain me. Because I know I'm going to be entertained with the films. But dance, y'all. Dance. Right. <laughs> So flash forward to our 1997 bracket, mm-hmm. and we left it to you guys, the listeners, uh, on our sci-fi horror bracket, mm-hmm. Event Horizon and Cube went face-to-face bum, 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 in space. And as it is, you do not need eyes, nope. unfortunately, to go into the next round. Mm-hmm. Event Horizon is our official winner. Welcome to hell. Space hell. So congratulations, Mr. Anderson, making mm-hmm. his way into there. Uh, so, and again, if you guys are playing along at home, please tweet at us at uh, Nightmare Junk. Hit us up on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. Show mm-hmm. us your results. Um, show, put them out there into the world. It's a lot of fun. 
I I've enjoyed it so much with yes. that. Now, that being said, the first round we're getting through. Uh, next week we're going to be finishing up with 1977, mm-hmm. and then beyond that we then have our as we're calling it basically our Scream 16. Yes, uh, the next round here. And rather than just rehash kind of what we did well, we've here, already said, you know, <laughs> we wanted to make sure to inject some some freshness, if you will, some phantom, exactly. And so our next round here, we are going to be joined by members from the Phantom Podcast Network, Potter Family. It is. We are doing some cross Potter, yep. cross Pod Nation, Potter Family tripod, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's going to be um, four different podcasts that are going to be Skyping in with us mm-hmm. and we're going to be breaking down then the four films that are left over in those brackets. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's going to be a lot of fun because number one, we're getting some really fresh perspectives. Exactly. Some new things, some new ideas and we might get some upsets. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then also it's going to be a chance for you guys to um, listen to some, you know, different, different perspectives, mm-hmm. different chemistry, chemistry that's involved in terms of hosting. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. A buffet of wonderfulness. It is. They're going to get different, different, horror podcast in here it's, it's a it's a pizza rants podcast oh now that's getting regional mm. there very regional genius mm. but uh if you're in the midwest area and you know a pizza ranch you know where genius McGee will be <laughs> um so i'm not going to tell us who's guesting yet because we are still putting the logistics of that together right but rest um, assured it's going to be some fun stuff and i put it out there and everyone was able to claim kind of the uh the decade they were wanting <laughs> yeah which is good so everyone's going to be coming in with enthusiasm um it's going to be a lot of fun and then after that we're going to have our hateful eight mm-hmm. in which we expand to some additional um, extra special guests for some other podcasts that are our kind of favorites yeah. that are outside of the Phantom Podcast Network. So it's very much a buffet yes. of horror podcast mm-hmm. perspectives, host, uh, guests. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be happening all of this April. Because <laughs> I realize this is into the mouth of March, March madness. madness. But it's kind of, <laughs> you can't stop madness. No, no. Much like uh, into the mouth of madness, it right. seeps its way into. Do either... you play such a cane? <laughs> it's so, uh, just bear with It's going to be a lot of fun you guys yeah. because then like i said cross promotion <coughs> and a chance to hear other great uh perspectives on the phantom podcast network so mm-hmm. uh before we get back into the round of night of uh 2007 <laughs> it's kind of rough sometimes being a horror fan and existing in the real world <laughs> because so often as you yourself say you know when you're in a downtown area what do you not walk over oh i will never fucking walking over grates fuck that that's where the chuds are they'll get you right now a normal rational person that's probably not a horror fan mm-hmm. will probably walk over a grate and not think twice of it right <laughs> but you yourself because nope. of where you come from, mm-hmm. what you observe, what you so what I know, it's just caution, state of awareness. Just like I know that's where they live, so I'm not gonna fuck with it. Exactly. All right. So uh, the other night, um, it had been raining all day long, and poor Lola, if she doesn't get a walk, she's just depressed. You know this yeah. or that. Stops raining. It's at nighttime, and I'm looking at. Her, I'm like, okay, we're gonna squeeze in a real quick walk. So normally when I walk, <laughs> I either listen to podcasts uh-huh. or. I listen to podcasts. That's right. usually, that's what I do when we walk. So, but it was late at night, so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to be aware of my surroundings because it's late at night. Uh-huh. As a horror fan, that's when all the bad shit happens. Exactly. So, you know what? I'm going to be aware of my surroundings. Right. I'm going to, you know, up my survivor quotient. Right. Exactly. So we're walking around the neighborhood. It's a beautiful night, um, <laughs> and in my neighborhood, there are a lot of really cool old houses. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just stunning, right? Right. And so Lola picks up on a smell, and she's examining her little area. And when she locks in on a smell, 
she will not budge, right? Uh-huh. So I'm letting her enjoy her smell, and I'm gazing upon this house, and beautiful brick, three-story. And so my gaze is going up. Now, the house is totally empty, of course. So as my gaze goes up, before I hit the top window, two little scenarios run through my head, okay? Uh-huh. Okay, so... Uh-huh. Now, keep in mind, these scenarios go by in a blink, just in a flash. Right, 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 right. For here, I'm going to tell you what the scenarios go. Okay. So scenario one is my gaze is going up to the very top window. Uh And of course, my gaze is caught by another person staring out at me. (laughs) And of course, that person would inevitably be Michael Myers. Right. Or the shape or something, right? Exactly. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now, scenario two Uh is my gaze is going up and I hit the top window and no one is there. But then someone comes into the frame of the window and then our eyes meet. And for me, that's the other fear in terms of being on the other side of the window. Right. Yeah. So these two scenarios run through my head, and of course, instantly. And I'm like, yeah, because I get the willy in the doodly doo. Of course, I have that Carpenter soundtrack in the back of my mind. So immediately, I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. So we continue our walk. And of course, uh, are there like fucking hounds in the background? (laughs) If only, if only. However, I come across an area where we we have a really cool uh, community garden. Uh And right when I round this corner... I see our big scarecrow out in the middle of it. Oh, no. <laughs> Fucking dark night of the scarecrow. Either that or just something else that's just menacing me. <laughs> and of course, in the back of my head, here comes the carpenter. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Just all of that. <laughs> now, at this point, I am pulling Lola so fast. She's basically kind of having to like. Bum, bum, bum. It was horrible. I she was jogging to keep up with me because I was nope. I've had enough of this. Feet don't fail me now. Now anyone else, any any non horror fan could have probably enjoyed their walk. Right. Enjoyed just the beautiful architecture of a normal house that just happens to be empty, no one home. But not me, no. No, because you chose the night he came home. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. Now, <laughs> now, granted, it did scare me. But by the time I got home, I was laughing about it. Because number one, I was like, well, I can't wait to tell this on the podcast. Right. But number two, it's like how much of my life and my daily routine is informed by horror movies and existing within horror movies. Because you never know. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. Because as no matter how improbable it can be, there's always that 1% chance that shit happens, you know? (laughs) <laughs> reality is much stranger is than you know fiction so right <laughs> it just never fails just, it never fails just don't tempt fate and you're okay you oh know? <laughs> good lord so <laughs> going it was it was it was awful it was awful 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 but what not what is not awful is our into the mouth of march madness tournament here and we've have covered two decades now uh the horror films from 87 and 97 mm-hmm and I think one of the more interesting um, aspects of this entire thing is we've talked about number one, just the just the the eagerness of being able to revisit a lot of these films. Yeah. Uh, just and also in some cases these seeing are, them for the first time. Right. Uh, like I never seen Cube before, you know, mm-hmm. and that was a fantastic thing. Um, and always an excuse to revisit Creep Show too is always right? great, you know. So always good. Yeah. But we've also talked about what's really cool is to kind of look at the trends that were going on during yeah. the eighties. 
and then looking at what happened in 87, uh, the trends that were going on in the 90s, and then like what we saw in the films of 97. Mm-hmm. Um, with the 80s, we've talked about kind of the excess that was occurring. Right. The uh, the, inc- the the franchise making of the era. Mm-hmm. Um, with the 90s, we kind of had that weird transition. Yeah. To kind of the death of a horror, if you will, and then the it, rebirth. Exa- and exactly. Um, it's Everything's a wonderful time capsule of what it's going on in the horror and in the just society in general, you know? I mean... It's breaking it down like this puts a really nice perspective on it as opposed to the people who are like, oh, that's just blah, blah, blah. And even the people who love it, like us, like they're like explaining your nostalgia factor. And that's what we've kind of been doing here with breaking it down and running it through the ringer and just with our rubric and stuff. So this has been a very fun time, just to, especially these. These are all really good. So I like we always win with these movies. Yeah, exactly. No matter who loses, we win. Uh, it's, it's unfair, though, because as it is, we are debating these films. So yeah. in terms of what we saw in the 2000s, the 2000s for me was a very interesting time in horror because, again, I saw a lot of these films in the theater. Mm-hmm. But in terms of trends and overall trends that we've seen, um, I saw two things in the 2000s that I thought were kind of characterized a lot of horror in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, and see if you agree with me on this one, is kind of the rise of the remake. Yeah. I think that's when you ultimately saw all the rehashes, the and platinum, the, the, the platinum, platinum dunes. Mm-hmm. You saw basically all these rebirth of these seventies and eighties franchises, right. giving a new spin on blood. And some have failed, but some have been really good. And that's what's really interesting is there are some of them I really like. Yeah, like I'll go to bat for the original Texas Chainsaw uh, remake. Mm-hmm. I actually like it. I'll go to bat for Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. I dug it. I dug it a lot. And we'll it, we'll see if we go to bat for another remake, because we do have one in the bracket, right. which I think is appropriate. Right. And then one of the other things that I think you saw as a trend in the 2000s was the uh, the increase in J-horror. Yeah, in the 2000s as well. Um, but, but not in this Not in, not 90, in, this uh, in 2007, yeah. interestingly enough. But I definitely think in terms of uh, when you would go to the, the theater on the weekends and see a horror film. There would be The Ring or there would be The, the Grudge, Grudge 2, Grudge 5. The Eye. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> All of these really crazy. And again, interestingly enough, most of them are remakes. Uh-huh. From an original international source. So even the J-horror itself were remakes. So yeah. those are the two really big things that I saw in terms of trends. Did you see anything else? Um, the rise of technology and the fear of technology. Ooh. Now the new, um, the, with new innovations comes new nightmares. So with all these things, you have more ghosts in the machines. You have more boogeymen that can come through the internet. And then on the reverse, you have more ways to escape or to find out more about these beings that are terrorizing you so this is where unfortunately you also have to somehow write in or you start having to write in like cell phone usage right well yeah i mean because really this all this new technology that's coming out that's never been before in any of these movies you have to roll with the punches you mm-hmm. know it, it's it, it's a sink or swim thing and so the new technology is a blessing and a curse on a lot of these movies. Um, you have the rise of the found footage you have the rise yeah. of like the more um shot on de- not on 
with iPads and things like that, more and more accessible things. So yeah, even yeah, just in terms of creating mm-hmm. and making horror. Yeah, oh my God, now there's been more stories to tell in the new millennium, which is it, like once again a blessing and a curse. Right. Yeah, well, you have more people with more access to mm-hmm. it, but then you come into like as you mentioned, there's just almost an oversaturation. Exactly. Of it. Everyone has a voice now, and how do you filter it out? Well, even hell, I'll just say even with podcast, it's tough now. Mm-hmm. Just because and there's even a podcast. It's the title of it is everyone has a podcast. <laughs> so you, it's just like how do you filter out the good stuff right so that's to me one of the more interesting things in terms of the uh, films that we're looking at from 2007 because technically this is the 10-year anniversary of all these movies and these are all mixed bag movies there's not like all in the genre of horror it was almost kind of hard to like okay let's Mm -hmm. pair these up so and because just so much new things and fun things right and also to me this is also in terms of what truly signifies the kind of the long-term uh, life of a film mm-hmm. are we now talking about it 10, 10 years, years later exactly you know because there's a lot of these that we looked at we're like yeah you know what mm-hmm. maybe not so much you know we talked kind of our little honorable mention and so forth on our right. selection episode so for me these are the ones that have that maybe we're going to talk about 20 years from now mm-hmm. 30 years from now and so forth i'm already going to say 10 years from now we're going to be talking about get out yeah, that's just put it down here. Mm-hmm. Hot, that's not a hot take. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, if we're still going 10 years from now, and we do a 10 year retrospective on Get Out. <laughs> we'll have a clip show. <laughs> oh, wow. That'll be very <laughs> at this 10 years from now. At this point, if we aren't like telepathically <laughs> producing podcasts, literally all up in your pothole, just yes, like <laughs> it could get a little a little crazy here. <laughs> so before we get into the brackets game, let me remind you how we are breaking these down. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got three criteria that we were looking at. Uh, the first thing after we talk about our thoughts and feelings and we get you know down on the couch there right. as we're going to look at um how well it represented the bracket topic that it was in the yeah the theme of the the theme of the two movies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're also looking at kind of the nostalgic feel the ties that we have to it the heart level because you got it you got to have the uh, the pathos mm-hmm. with your logos mm-hmm. and then finally kind of the tiebreaker if you will which one contributed more to the genre right and so forth so that being said Genius, which bracket do we break into first? Let's just go straight down the line with numbers. Okay, so monsters by the numbers, mm-hmm. if you will, here. So this one, um, this is a really interesting bracket. Um, not necessarily in terms of the, the films we saw, but in terms of kind of the monsters that they did represent. Mm-hmm. Um, Vampires versus quotation mark zombies. Mo- yes, quotation mark zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are. Uh, so the first one we'll get into is 28 Weeks Later, uh, directed by Juan Carlos uh, Frendio, mm-hmm. this is one that we recently screened with an audience for our uh, sequels that we did with our last triple feature for a marathon mm-hmm. we pulled on. So we had a chance to see this in a the theater. So I'm just going to throw this out to you. What are your thoughts on 28 Weeks Later? This is a powerful movie, man. I mean, this movie is not a happy movie at all. This is a dour, mean movie, but it's worth it. It's. <laughs> the performances are great. Robert Carlyle as a human who had to make a kind of a shit choice and then as a zombie, just well, outbreak blah 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 blah. Um it was just a and a violent movie. Let's talk about in terms of the choice and the violence. That opening scene in terms of setting the tone for the film, that was in, and that was a gut punch. That was an intense gut punch like boom. And it's so quiet. And almost meditative, just in terms of the lifestyle. So you, you you basically open with this group of survivors, closed cabins, living off of like SpaghettiOs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but just in a very closed, just a nice little community. Mm-hmm. And of course, you get the chaos from out the outside of it. You get the siege element. 
the the crazies, the zombies, whatever they show up, and right. then all chaos, hell breaks loose. Which, in terms of not even the chaos, but in terms of my God, he is put into a choice that you assume as the hero of the film, you assume as the protagonist, they're always going to make the correct choice, yeah, right? He's going to make the noble choice, but Begby, Begby, don't play that. Oh, I don't. Maybe he was looking for a fix. I don't know. Good lord! But when he ultimately leaves his wife behind. Yeah, that was you're like, ooh, it is. But it's a choice he had to make, good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, but it's again, you everyone assumes, given that choice of life or death, you have to. Sh- you would always assume you would make the choice. You would go after them, mm-hmm. and this is where that choice is no. Yeah, and the repercussions, the guilt, and everything, and that in itself is when he's running away, and there's that last shot of her in the window. Raw, yeah, whoo, and then. Then the movie starts. Oh, well, that then bump. you get bum, the rise bum. of that score. Dun, 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 dun It starts dun, to rise. Dun, 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 yeah. And then you get that great, uh, just that shot where it's pulling away, and you see where he's he's running down that hill. And there's just this swarm after him, this swarm of fast, and scary, in, intense monsters. And in this just, Danny Boyle universe, whoo, they are fast, they are ferocious. They are fast as shit. And I would be fucked. Oh. I, <laughs> I wouldn't even get to that choice. Oh, you, just, well, you wouldn't be in the sequel, unfortunately. <laughs> no, 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 no. You'd be fodder in the first one there. <laughs> you would have been a fan favorite, though, guaranteed, though. They'd want, they'd want the prequel, right. where they follow you up until the first one. <laughs> Turns out, like, at the original one, like, it's actually my pet monkey. <laughs> Genius was responsible for it all. It's the Shyamalan twist that we get there. But no, that opening is so intense. But I love the contrast from the silence to just the bombastic boom. Mm-hmm. And again, seeing that in a theater with the crowd, it was amazing. Yeah, the response, <laughs> and then the violence just got turned up from there. And still, one of my favorite scenes in all of recent cinema is when he's got the helicopter Ooh. and he's just mowing down that crowd. I was like, "Yes, I've been wanting to see this for years." Isn't that so- was that maybe a kind of an homage to Dawn of the Dead, but in a turn to a Eleven, right? Magnum Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> because in famously in Dawn of the Dead, you know the dude walks <coughs> into it, thing, right? But, but in here, like, like a lawnmower from hell, it was great. It is glorious because this film also kind of acknowledges that it is a genre film. Yeah. So not only you will you get some really cool, and I'll say like um, just in terms of the the kind of the socially conscious elements, mm-hmm. U.S. invasion taking over elements, but then all your heroes. No spoilers. Mm-hmm. All your heroes die oh you know yeah. i mean once you're like okay cool oh bye hawkeye the you know grim, you're like the uh, grim reality of it and that's the other thing the cast in this film is phenomenal mm-hmm. i've forgotten how many great character actors are actually involved in this one fuck yeah you have uh emily blunt um no uh, no 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 no, oh, no, no. Not, emily uh, uh emily rose burn rose burn i yeah. always get those two mixed up <laughs> no uh there's rose burn robert carlisle we mm-hmm. talked to jeremy renner uh harold perrineau Who's a, a love him on the podcast? Uh, uh, Idris Elba. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, uh, Imogen Poots in this one. Mm-hmm. And, and, oh my god, you want to talk about having genre credibility? Yeah, in terms of some of the films she's appeared in, it's <laughs> unreal. I do jig Imogen Poots. Imogen, yeah, I'm sorry, Imogen. Oh my god, I have to edit that one out. Huh? <laughs> no, um, so you've got a great cast. Um, again, you have just in terms of it, like any good zombie film, even though it's right, it's an outbreak you, film. Um, but. you do have just the allegory on there, just in terms of U.S. involvement of other people's affairs, mm-hmm. in terms of trying to clean it up, and ultimately what happens. 
lessons. You get your comeuppance. No yeah. good deed goes unpunished, man. Of course, things turn tits up, and uh, it's <laughs> not going to be. No. Yeah, it's not going to be one of those things. Uh, a good horror film or a good zombie film without the craziness at the end when the chaos inevitably happens. Because mm-hmm. you've got a great controlled environment initially, and then you, you have to have the moments of. And I'll be honest, in terms of the way this is shot, the way the sound production and everything, when they're locked in, that environment. Oh, yes. That was intense. The whole movie, everything about it just works. It's a gut punch. It's just a dark, not happy ending. So, and I think that's what I like, you know, in true, like, old school zombie fashion. Yeah, I, yeah, and that's the other thing, just in terms of, let me ask you this, because I did see this in the theater. Me too. Um, and so I had a great experience with it. Your thoughts between this and 28 Days Later? I like this one better. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not a very popular uh, opinion. Um, but I, I... I am one of the defenders of the, the sequel, 28 Weeks Later, and I do actually prefer it over 28 Days Later. Mm-hmm. However, it is one of those films, like you mentioned, because of its kind of meanness... I do have to be in kind of a certain mood for it. Right. You got to be, you got to be, exactly. It's not like, hey, I know, let's have a, let's have a good old fun time family. Let's sit down. (laughs) This one, you have to be maybe a little meditative on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say though, interestingly enough, both of these films have a really great scene. Uh, 28 Weeks Later with a Helicopter and 30 Days of Night actually has a great, uh, that kind of that caterpillar from hell scene. Uh The Um, Futtermans. Yes. (laughs) Getting their comeuppance there. (laughs) Um, let me see here. Anything else? Uh, just really good gore involved in 28, week, look, 28 Weeks Later. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just there's great tension built up. Yeah. Um, and characters that you that you really are involved in, you kind of love. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it just makes that much more of a gut punch. It's so a good movie. It really is. So we paired it up with uh, 30 Days of Night. This was another good movie. And like, I will rarely watch movies on like Sci-Fi Channel if I don't have to, you know. But every now and then, this movie will pop up, and I'll I'll check it out. I mean, I'll be like, okay, God, that's a cool movie, you know. Just or even have it on in the background. This is the fun background movie too. Yeah, Thirty Days of Night. It's a good movie to watch. It's a good movie, and the vampires are so monstrous. I love it how violent Thirty Days of Night is. That is probably the biggest takeaway from this film, just in terms of injecting venom. Mm-hmm. Back into vampires because they were sparkly and <laughs> well, right. I think it was right after the Twilight came yeah. out, and this was like, nope. <laughs> this, this is what vampires need to be. This like. harkens back to Near Dark. This mm-hmm. happened. Harkens back to the days of vicious vampires. Smart planning, cunning. Yes. That <laughs> anytime, anytime they start, you know, grand master champion chess playing. <laughs> that's dangerous with any of your 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 mon- movie monsters. And that's probably the other thing. This is one I didn't see in the theater. No? No, no. This is one I didn't see until on DVD. Mm-hmm. So did you check this out in the theater? I did. Okay, so I, did. I was very familiar, though, with the graphic novel that it was based off mm-hmm. of, uh, the Steve Niles, uh, because Steve Niles actually has worked with the designer of the Nerds of Nostalgia logo, mm-hmm. uh, Hector Casanova, which is kind of great. I love that connection there. Exactly. Uh, but I just remember reading the whole, even even the premise of this film, when I was looking at the graphic novel, it's like... Why hasn't anyone? I know it's. This is such a no-brainer in terms of concept. Exactly, it's a brilliant premise. Just a town that has thirty days of night, and, and the just, fact that that exists. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing that they have to make up. No, there are certain elements <laughs> and parts of the world. This isn't like a fairy tale. Welcome to Erendale, where thirty days of night, <laughs> night is coming. 
<laughs> no, literally, it's uh, and then sometimes again, that is what's the scariest thing is the reality. And right. so, uh, Barrel, Alaska, we have this element where for 30 days you are going to be just basked in darkness. <laughs> yeah. And of course, who wouldn't love that? But some scary ass vampires with the black eyes and the big weird teeth and their own language yeah <laughs> that's when when they kind of can do some cool mythology things like that mm-hmm. even if it's not necessarily if it's not necessary for the film but i like that because it creates a mythology it creates a world they've existed in forever and it spawned a franchise in the comics and just the sequel's not bad either i haven't checked out the sequel it's not bad well that was probably this was again i've mentioned how much fun it is to revisit a lot of these films this was one that was a that was a fun revisit mm-hmm. because as you mentioned i had forgotten about how nasty it is and just the viciousness but um the the gore and also kind of the sheer terror that's involved way the way kind of like the slaughter is being shown and they set traps <laughs> again that's devious oh those little scary kids Ugh, scary kids freak me out will you play with me <laughs> no um, uh, this also has a really good cast just mm-hmm. in terms of uh, looking at it against 28 weeks later uh if you're a character actor fan uh, mark boone jr Showing up playing the kind of the Putterman role, if you will, in terms of his play with the Caterpillar. Uh, you also have Melissa George showing up, which I've always been a fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Hartnett, of course. Uh, and, and you know what? Josh Hartnett doesn't get enough love. I think this movie is a good movie for him. It was a nice little fit. showed that he could actually do that. Josh Hartnett went to do on some cool things. He does some cool, neat stuff in Sin City and a bunch of other things. I, I think this one was a good little vehicle. For like him. the faculty, mm-hmm. you know, he's done cool genre yeah. stuff before. Yeah, so and I so, dug it him as him. And so, and then um, also, just in terms of playing the lead vampire, uh, Danny Houston, <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yes. And then also, freaking uh, Ben Foster showing up as well. Mm-hmm. So you have some really strong character actors in your film, which only elevates the plight of the film yes. and the fact that you can get behind this, but. You talk about in 28 weeks later, no one surviving. Same thing with this film as well. It's another dour film. Don't expect. <laughs> don't expect sunshines and lollipops at 30 days a night. It's not going to happen, no. unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and the other really kind of the vibe I got from this film as well when rewatching it was the thing. Just in terms just of. The cold, the, the isolation. Cold. Yes. It was a very, it, it was a very effective atmosphere. Very much like the thing. It was just. Ooh, you're cold and alone, man. What's scarier than that? And you're being chased by something that wants to eat you, you know? <laughs> For 30 days, you have to last like this. Yeah, no. <laughs> so the concept itself was terrifying, and the fact that um, uh, David Slade would go on to direct a Twilight film, which I think is kind of funny, <laughs> I, I think he did a great job with this. Um, mm-hmm. this. For me, it's really hard when something is pre-existing on a comic book form. It's tough to adapt into movie form, just because, like I said, you already have... You already have the um, <laughs> you the already have the setup thing already, but how to characterize the voice? How do you translate mm-hmm. it? And I think it really works well with I this. I think it works fantastic because I was legitimately kind was... of unnerved with a lot of these things when when it happens. Um, and inter- you know who did the, um, the special effects? Hmm. Uh, because it is. I, I will say this also: both twenty eight weeks later and thirty days a night, they do a great job of combining. Practical and CGI. And we've talked about the you got to find that good balance, and they did it well. Uh, Weta from uh, New Zealand. From, from New Zealand. The, the Lord, the Lord, the back in here in Arendelle. Yes. We, <laughs> <laughs> they did have to CGI that place, as it were. So, no. So, it was uh, a really good rewatch. And, again, just the ending is another kind of a gut punch. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a happy ending either, man. But have you noticed there was a lot of movies? Okay, so... 
there was, especially in 2000, a lot of these movies did not have happy endings. You saw that a lot. You saw that a lot in 77. You saw that a mm-hmm. lot in 2007. You saw, you didn't see it so much in 97 and 87. But if you look at it, there's like a cross thing where. Also, you all you have to do is look at like just kind of the uh, the economic environment mm-hmm. at the time, just because you kind of had kind of the rise of the middle class in the 80s and the 90s. And then you had more of an economic despair, especially with kind of Vietnam in the 70s and uh, with a lot of the um, kind of the Enron scandals in the mid 2000s. Right. So I think that makes sense because it and also just in terms of the, the, the world looked more bleak in Reaganomics 80s. Everything was like, hey, everything's cool. And we're going to have a good time in the 90s. You're going to be great. Well, right. Clinton in the 90s, you know, having a lot of fun on the sacks. And yeah. Uh, but also, also in terms of U.S. involvement in overseas, just Iraq. Uh, so I mean, it makes sense that these films are reflecting that. And again, yeah, that's dour. Yeah. That's what horror films are. Mm-hmm. They're merely a reflection. reflection of society. And so I, that to me is not surprising at all. So let's go ahead and go. Let's judge. Let's make throw him to the ringer. Let's throw him to the ringer. So in terms of uh, the the bracket itself, monster by numbers. Mm-hmm. What is a better representation of a monster by numbers? So. Because both repre- let's for me, I'm just going to say this: in terms of a well-defined monster, with 28 weeks later, they're not zombies. They're out. Yeah, they can be classified. Some people call them zombies, but they're not necessarily zombies. So for me, because it is a more classic monster defined, mm-hmm. it's a vampire. For monster by numbers, I'm going to go 30 days a night because it's a vampire. You know what? I'm going to agree with that because you know you have 30 days a night. That's your setting. All right. 28 weeks later, that's been a very confusing thing for some people. Like, okay, which one first? 28 28 days later, 28 mm-hmm. weeks later. So that's been a confusing thing. You know, um, especially when you have a sequel. So I'm going to go again with you on 30 days of night so went with both okay so mm-hmm. in terms of the nostalgic portion of this now because i didn't see it in the theater and um it was again a late just dvd uh viewing for me so for me the nostalgia really isn't there um i will say again revisiting it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. so i'm really glad i revisit it um but in terms of i did see 28 weeks later in the theater I have i have the tie to it it was a fun i'm so for me for that portion i got to go 28 weeks later okay I'm going to go 30 days a night Ooh. because I did see it. I saw both of these movies in the theater. And then this, like I said, I can just watch it anytime I want, you know, just like oh, it's in the background, whatever. I have a special connection with that like that. So I'm going to go with uh, 30 days a night. That makes sense. Okay. So in terms of kind of the contribution to the genre, both are interesting. I was thinking about this and I think the two main selling points for the two things for me, mm-hmm. one for me personally, 28 weeks later is a better sequel, which is rarely, rarely happens. Okay. So that's the one selling point for that. However, on 30 days of night, not only is it a good representation of a good vampire mythos, but it's a good representation on how a comic book can be adapted into a movie. Then it's self spawn franchise, other things like that. So you have the start of a very capable franchise versus a superior sequel. And that's where I'm really boiling it down to. But I think I'm going to have to go with 30 Days a Night. Okay. And I think because this is the rare example of the sequel being better than the original, that holds a lot. Because, again, that does not happen too often, especially in the horror genre. Right. But because 30 Days of Night does have that entire mythology, it does have that world building of the the graphic novels, I'm going to also say 30 Days a Night. So for me... I'm going to say 30 days of night. I'm going to say 30 days of night. Okay. So, wow. 30 days of night going through. And mm-hmm. I, 
when I did my original bracket, when I without thinking anything, I went twenty eight weeks. Me later. Me too. I had really? twenty exactly. I had twenty eight weeks later going on, and then I was like thinking about, it, and I was like, oh, well, you know, it was the whole the rubric. The rubric it made the really, call. It really makes it. It makes the difference, man. Okay, yeah. so thirty days of night going forward. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's go ahead and get to our next round, our next bracket here. Mm-hmm. What did we find in technology run amok? Found footage. Yep, found footage. Oh boy. So <laughs> you want to talk about just in terms of? I'm gonna preface this category now. Um, I. Do not enjoy found footage movies. Very rarely will I enjoy them, but I'm just prefacing this now. So the event, the opinions expressed by Genius McGee are solely of Genius McGee. That's okay. That's okay. I was about to say this is a much maligned genre. Mm-hmm. Just in ter- it is very divisive. I can kind of take or leave or I'm I'm right. indifferent on them. Mm-hmm. I've seen some really good ones. Yes. I've seen some not so good ones. Yes. <laughs> uh, so fortunately, I was a little hesitant on this one because uh, one of these I'm revisiting, but the, one of them was seeing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of excited for that. But I mean, I've told it before. Uh, the first time I saw the Blair Witch Project in the theater was one of my all time favorite theater going experiences just in terms of everyone just experiencing dread, mm-hmm. the revelation at the end, just that shared experience. So good experience there but again you know kind of give or take some of these right. other ones so we're gonna go ahead and open up with wreck mm-hmm. oh good lord wreck so wreck <laughs> tells this tale of a little news crew that's following a fire station around mm-hmm. uh and it's the it's like uh up at night or up when you're asleep or something like yeah, that it's like a uh, special news program and they get a call to go all out. night <laughs> if only Rhonda showed up <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried trying to break in there help him out what's going on in there you know I want you to let me in <laughs> something bit me <laughs> And so they get a call to go out to this uh, apartment <coughs> complex, and then that's where chaos basically ensues. Mm-hmm. So the found footage, let's look at maybe just in terms of why it exists, why it exists to be a found footage film. So the co- the story is told through the news reporter and the news camera. Mm-hmm. And, Filming everything she says and does. And at one point in the film, she says, you record everything. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, one of the issues I have with found footage films is give me an excuse to continue filming. Right. Give well, me something. Why Why don't just put the camera down and run? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Because unfortunately, that's one of the, I think, the issues you have to contend with mm-hmm. when it comes to a found footage film. It's yeah. one of the barriers. Why is Why are you filming this in the first place? You know? <laughs> we got this camera. We're just hanging out. To, you know, things interesting. You know? No. No. <laughs> unfortunately. So let me throw this out here because this is one I didn't see in the theater. Did you see this in the theater? No, I did not. Okay. So you were a latecomer to this yeah, one? Yeah. Or so I was because they I think that was only released in Spain and then recent and then like in maybe one two theaters like a year after in later came out well that's the best thing is the fact that this is you know our kind of horror without borders to, yeah, yeah international horror uh, so yeah wreck directed by uh, Wame Balaguerro and Paco Plaza mm-hmm. um, and this is this was I'll say this this is one that I've always enjoyed because much like 28 weeks later you go in, it looks like the idea that it's going to be a zombie film. Uh-huh. And then you get this really interesting kind of reveal. The, the mad scientist. At the end, <laughs> yes. So I went in anticip- I expecting zombie, uh-huh. which in honestly it is, the way it plays. It's like a zombie. It's a rabies. 
rabies virus monster. And so one of the things that in terms of rewatching this film, number one, again, just in terms of the revisit was, holy shit, the gore Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yeah. And again, how just wonderfully the practical effects work. But there's a little bit of mix of a little CGI in there. Yeah. And and the atmosphere of it works. (sighs) That old dilapidated kind of dark building and you can only see just enough light from the camera where it makes things it it heightens the things that terrify you and also just in terms of the way it's shot you get little snippets of things Mm -hmm. so you're not necessarily again going firsthand you're just getting kind of the other the cameraman's perspective right and so when eventually everything starts to escalate and just like any good film it does start to escalate and holy shit when the escalation hits you're thrust into what you assume is a zombie-esque rabies film (laughs) and you can't get out and everybody's there that's the bitch of it because yeah this mm-hmm. is another one where maybe also just the government turns against you film is they are ultimately quarantined into this area mm-hmm. and they quarantined the name of the remake when we'll get into in terms of the importance of that as well <laughs> um and so yeah they are stuck in there with no answers mm-hmm. they actually they're gonna say hey we we're actually sending in a, a you know a little centers of disease guys which only heightens the paranoia mm-hmm. uh this is just a film that i thought in terms of terror worked so well yeah just because of the way these things moved these are also 20 they, they move they're fast. they're mean they're fast yeah. they're mean once again i'm fucked and i can't even go home and lock the door because i live in the apartment because they're, they're in there too you know it's like they're everywhere and they're after you and they're your friends they're your family they're people you live with and you you're j- and you're trapped Mm-hmm. With these monsters that are getting you, it's it, it's 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 terrifying. And the way that it's shot, because you said he is a professional cameraman, mm-hmm. it's not so shaky like it's, some of the other ones. It's more like profession, quote unquote, professionally done, which I think makes it more like visually watchable. Uh huh. Because <laughs> that's the major thing. I for a long time I I'm couldn't. Glad you, I'm glad you. I'm glad you watchable. Yes. Well, no, that's the thing. For the longest time, I couldn't watch these films because Amy, she could. It always made her sick. So uh-huh. these are the ones I'd have to watch on my own. <laughs> and this is definitely one where, in terms of, the, I don't really think it'll make you as nauseous, right. which is good. But the uh, the claustrophobic feeling you get as well because you are stuck. This is kind of a bottled film, if you will, because mm-hmm. you are just stuck in the apartment complex. And the fact that the interplay of going from one floor to the other, which almost is kind of like a level, if you will, video game wise. <laughs> Uh, but it adds to the tension. Um, then also, ultimately, the uh, oh my god, I, I was having fun with it, and this was the second one I watched in terms of the ones uh, did a little double feature on this mm-hmm. one. But the ending of this film, the ending is terrifying. <laughs> I had forgotten kind of what <laughs> led up to that, and the reveal, yeah, of <coughs> the, the hammer hag or whatever it is. <laughs> like it's so gnarly and scary. And there's a shot of, and it's um, it's uh, Angela. She is her eyeball is bulging, and true terror in yeah. her face. There was something about that that just it it struck something in me that I identified. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, there was something. And then of course she sells it. She sells it. She makes it her own. She just you feel her terror, and you're like, "Wow!" Yeah. It, it was truly terrifying. It was a great rewatch. I I was so impressed with it. Um, mm-hmm. It just and then of course the fact that it also this is the first of of a, fr- of a franchise um a capable franchise too can, and continues to evolve with it, some of the odd, films and odd some of them but i do enjoy all the entire rec series i mean i really do even though even the, and i really enjoyed the remake as well so 
I yeah no I actually oh the rem oh okay yeah quarantine so, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. But. that actually starred uh, Jennifer Carpenter I believe mm-hmm. which uh, always been a fan of through Dexter. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever watch Dexter? No, I never got into Dexter. That's one on my wish list, man. Uh, There's so many TV yeah, shows. I know, so much to catch up on there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I had a great time with Wreck. Uh, good revisit. Mm-hmm. Now, the next film in our bracket is one that I had not seen before, mm-hmm. but because again, I follow all the horror sites, I listen, I know all about it. Right. But uh, Paranormal Activity is one I had never seen. Never. Never. <laughs> what about yourself? I have seen it a few times, um, very briefly. Um, I sit through, I sit through, I watch. I'm like, every time I watch, my finger just wants to push the fast forward button. You know, I, I just, I, I can't. Okay, no, no, again, again, <laughs> not for you. So. I went in knowing the hype with this film, uh-huh. the fact that everyone back in the day was like, it's the scariest film. Exactly. And yeah, that's one reason. That's a, I, I was burnt. And and see, and that's just it. I know you've had issues with that before mm-hmm. where you have been burnt by that. So I kind of went in knowing that. Um, I remember, again, obviously this one also has spawned a franchise. Yes, a huge yeah, we'll go into this. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's 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 kind of intense. So here's the thing, though, in terms of to give you a little context of when I'm watching this for the first time. Uh-huh. You know, when you cohabitate with someone for 10 plus years, if anything, you ever hear anything in the background, if you ever hear sound at night, you have someone to partner up with. So, you know, you've got someone to watch your back. So mm-hmm. now... When you're accustomed to that, and then you're by yourself for the first time in a long time, and you hear those noises at night, the scariness of that is intensified because you (laughs) no longer have someone watching your back. Yeah. So that's kind of the weird thing with uh, paranormal activity is the whole premise, obviously, is built around this girl you find out is being haunted by, interestingly enough, not a ghost, but a demon, Mm -hmm. which I thought was an interesting twist. And they decide to start filming them at night. To see if any shenanigans ensue. <laughs> Nighttime shenanigans. Nighttime shenanigans. And what's, I think, the not the brilliance of the film, but the fact that this film was so cheap to make. Mm-hmm. And that for a lot of people, it truly terrified them that this movie made so much money. Yes. So much money. Much like when the Blair Witch Project, not a lot to make, didn't cost a lot to film, made a lot of money. And it made enormous. It made its bond of kingdom. Well, to me, that's the simplicity of the film in terms of, so uh, watching it, the, the whole premise is, you know, you see him, he's the, the boyfriend, Mika, is uh-huh. carrying around the, the, the camera during the day, talking, and then cuts to night one, and you just get the still footage, and then, of course, you get the little timer in the foot, in the little corner, and so what I think what was truly effective for me in terms of watching it for the first time is the subtleness of the escalations because mm-hmm. the first night all that happens is you just see like the sheets just little a little kerfluffle if you will and that's it and when i saw it, i was like oh that's that's kind of creepy and for me you got to understand i go into movies wanting to be scared yeah you know that's why i yeah. i, 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 I mean, i'm not gonna, gonna go be... see a scary movie you're gonna go to see a, you want to get scared exactly i'm not the dude that's like eh, if this movie i'm not scared you know i'm right. like scare me what do you got mm-hmm. so I, I watch it, i'm like oh that's kind of good so you then cut to the next day they're rewatching it and that's how the you know just in terms of the the structure of the movie that's what it is yeah so every nighttime shot everything escalates a little so i need to say this also so when i first what the when the film started 
my furnace kicked on. <laughs> now, keep in uh, mind, here in Kansas City, we've it's been really warm, so I haven't had to have my furnace hasn't kicked on, and I don't know how long. So this haunting movie starts, and my furnace kicks on. So I, I kind of chuckle to myself. I'm like, okay, that's I'm gonna put that note. Yeah, I'll talk about that, but that's funny, you know, blah blah. So with each night, the escalation starts to increase in terms of the level of creepiness and the invasiveness of this demon. And I find myself actually getting, I don't know what it is, but I'm finding I'm getting involved in it. And I'm in a pitch, you know, here in my basement, it's pitch black. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I made sure to make sure it was pitch black. Uh, And I, I got lost into the film, dude. And I'm not joking. By the time one of the escalations, I audibly went, ah! Like I something when there's an occurrence on the screen, I did that, and it means yelp. I yelped. I yelped. And at one point, at one point, when one of the escalations occurred, because what's great with the escalations is you get that little, you get this like sound, did and you, you know do. something's gonna happen, yeah. right? And so one of the escalations, I got texted, and I had my phone on silent, and it vibrated and scared the shit out of me, <laughs> which was awful. And, but what's really cool is when, so when, you know, it'll say like night 20 and then, you know, all this stuff happens about three in the morning. And so you'll hear them. And I would find myself looking at every corner of the screen to see where it was going to start. And that's when at some point you see the shadow move. And that's when I went, oh, because (laughs) I was just so engrossed and so, so taken into the screen. So that's what I think what's really interesting though. And something (coughs) I'm really upset is I saw all the reactions that mm-hmm. people had during the screenings of the scary stuff. And I was like, I could imagine myself in one of those, just being one of those people. Oh, yeah! you know. <laughs> and so I was a little jealous of that, but also, the, you know, I did have, you know, I watched it by myself, but it was still like, I, I audibly get, it was a legit response. It was an actual reaction. scare. Yeah. Right. And so that was, a, it was just incredible in terms of that. So I, re- I really had fun with this movie. Like we had, um, we had one of our listeners, Paranormal Activity, went won their bracket. Uh-huh. After watching this movie, I'll listen to that argument. I really, huh. I had fun with. Huh. I, I was legitimately creeped out by Paranormal Activity. Huh? Yeah. Surprisingly, now here's my thing: the ending of the film, and I know there's like an alternate ending out there. The ending I didn't, I didn't get into. Um, the, the, uh, yeah, I. The ending kind of killed it for me, but I will say. In terms of pure creepiness, there's there's two of the escalations where uh, Katie gets up and she just stands by the f- by her side of the bed, and then you get this time lapse and she's there for like three hours and then like goes outside. And there's another one where she's just standing over her boyfriend for like three hours, and it's just so unsettling. But again, the idea of hearing stuff at night because there's so many of those escalations where it's just allowed like. Bruh! And that scared me because I'm thinking I'm putting myself in that scenario now where back in the day, if you hear that again, you've got someone to back you up. Right. But when you're by yourself and that shit, let me tell you, Lola is loyal as she is. I don't, she's <laughs> no. going to Scooby do it out she, of there. And, she, she's your dog. She yeah. will, she'll turn tail and run. Just, <laughs> you know? Doing this on your own. Your feet don't fail me now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it was a re- really good experience. So, yeah, <laughs> you know I, what? I'm gonna have to give it a second chance. I don't, and I, I, I mean, just, just on your selling, I mean, I'm gonna have to like change my mind frame and like, it's just one of those things. I don't know. And here's the other thing. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but I grew up with a haunted house yeah? in my family. My grandmother's house when I lived in Stanley, Kansas. This is true, and you can look this up on the internet. She, uh, she, her house was haunted. 
legit haunted. Like there are specific anecdotes from people Floating I know. Floating candles and shit haunted. Or? Uh, we are talking like um, um, blinds lifting and lowering all by themselves. Ooh. Uh, they're talking about like foot, like footsteps, like you would hear in Paranormal Activity, to the point where the final occurrence happened. Uh, it was a Fourth of July. Um, and keep in mind, in Stanley, Kansas, I lived a stone's throw away. So my parents woke me up one night and they said, we need to go down to your granny's. So I'm like, okay. So we go down to my granny's. I'm like, why are we Why are we here? And they're like, well, the house is on fire. I'm like, why the hell are we doing in the house if the house is on fire? My dad's a firefighter. Like, you guys know. Well, it's just basically a bottle rocket had hit up in the attic. Caused just a real small, little, nothing really big. Right. But what was interesting was out of the um, fire, this whole little, like, uh, fireball shot out. And it hit this trash can full of paper, but it didn't burn. And after that, nothing weird happened. Ooh. Yeah, it was really bizarre. But no, so like, it was really weird growing up and knowing about this and being a horror fan. Wow, you caught a ghost, dude. I'm like, potentially, potentially. So when I watch movies like this and I, and I put myself in the presence of like a loud bang, like yeah. I'll be laying in my bed and I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be scary if something just went, bah! you know? Rough. And yeah. like, to me, that's terrifying. So, but I'm the kind of one, the person that will do the raw, you know, yeah, you're the instigator. <laughs> I'm the shenanigans. So yeah, no. So it was a really, it was a refreshing visit for me. So let's put them through the grinder here. So, um, okay. First category bracket found footage, found footage. technology. Okay. I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to have to go with paranormal activity for the, for the bracket, uh, for the name of the bracket for found footage, paranormal activity. Good, bad, or indifferent is the granddaddy of of the found footage. Yeah, you know, it, it I mean, really it's the heart. Again. Yeah, uh huh. Blair Witch, yes, true, technically, but Paranormal Activity. I'm gonna have to go with French bracket for that one. I think both of them work really well, but because of that that argument, I'll go with Paranormal Activity. Mm -hmm. Now the nostalgia factor, um, because again, I didn't see <laughs> either of no. these in the theater. But it's also called heart factor for a reason too, dude. Mm -hmm. So. And I'm telling you, I'm going to cherish my little first screening of Paranormal your, Activity your, for quite some time. Your para-yelp activity. <laughs> yes. As much as fun as Rec was, for me, I had a better time with Paranormal. So Nice. I'll, yeah. Um, I'm going to go Rec, but, you know. That makes sense. That uh -huh. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that in terms of um, which one contributed more to the horror genre, and I think this is where the discussion, we won't make it too long, but in terms of where it gets interesting, because both of these are the first films and franchises. Yes. And they, they're both like four or five movies deep. deep. Yes. Yeah. So it, it, when, it, when it comes to franchises alone, these are head-to-head -head like that. And in modern horror, you do not see that too often. Mm -mm. So the fact that they both are huge franchises in today's market is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of which... Wreck has redefined itself a few times in terms of some of the films. Mm -hmm. Paranormal has kind of continued in deepening into the mythology. I think it's kind of a push on this one in terms of what is more important. I'll say I know Paranormal has probably made more money, mm -hmm. but I'll say also this. I think they've gotten kind of there's in terms of diminishing returns. Right. I think you'll probably get more out of the Wreck series mm -hmm. because of the inventiveness. So I think Wreck did more for the genre mm -hmm. and long term. I said paranormal activity. Okay. I said, <laughs> I mean, I said paranormal activity for the genre thing. So you say wreck and I say, pa wow, welcome to Bizarro Land. <laughs> After welcome to Bizarro Land and Paran me openly saying like, man, I don't like paranormal activity, you know, and then <laughs> here I am because 
it not only okay. So on I, when I when I said on franchise alone, mm-hmm. now I'm not. I'm also gonna include spoofs. Okay. Oh yeah. How many good, bad, or indifferent spoofs um, attempts to cash in paranormal activity, <laughs> um, paranormal sextivity, yeah. everything paranormal activity just invaded the social conscience more so than wreck. So yeah. that's what I'm going to go with. That. I, I, I agree with you on that one, but I think just in terms of the inventiveness of the series with wreck. So we're going to have to go to the listeners on this one, guys. Well, on the do we count the, is that, are we dead? No, we're this one. It's okay. Yeah, let's is, go to the, let's yeah. go to the people. So we're going to go to the listeners on this one, guys. So we'll put this one out, uh, wreck or paranormal activity. I know a few of you already where you're going with this one, but again, show your work on this. So let us go down to what I think we've got. The last two are really good ones here. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have a horror bracket. You can't talk about horror films without one time or another talking about the greatest time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Our bracket is October 31st, Halloween. And oh, do mm-hmm. we have some really interesting films to talk about here mm-hmm. in 2007? Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly enough, that it kind of took us to uh, 19, uh, 2007 to get to a true kind of Halloween, Halloween. the spirit of Halloween. Exactly. Movie. Uh, there, there's probably no other uh, year we can do a Halloween bracket, you know, <laughs> or just its theme is just Halloween. <laughs> you're, you're hard pressed. I tell you also, just in terms of putting <coughs> two divis- diverse, divi- divisive oh, films against definitely. each other, divisive. Diverse, the triple D. The triple D? The triple D. Mm-hmm. Watch out, Guy Fieri. We're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and we'll break into the first one, uh, Trick or Treat. Now, mm-hmm. this is a film that, fortunately, uh, written and directed by Michael Doherty. This is one we've talked about before on the podcast. Now, we've never done an official episode but, on Trick or Treat. But we've shown love to this movie. Go ahead and let the love start with the love there, genius. If anybody knows anything about me, I love anthology movies and I love Halloween. And be able to put the two together in a wonderful, wicked, fun, joyous, spirit of Halloween movie. Trick or Treat is in my rotation every year. I have to see it at least sometime in the Halloween. And I can even watch Outside. it at fucking Christmas. You know? <laughs> what do you want to do for Thanksgiving? Let's go to Black Friday and then come back and watch Trick or Treat. You know? <laughs> Doherty's got you covered on Christmas now, too. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> Let's just give all the holidays to Doherty. <laughs> Take them all. Take Pat- do a Leprechaun remake. Okay. You know? <laughs> I- I'd probably watch that, actually. <laughs> so is this one that you saw in the theater? Uh, no. No. Interesting, because this is one of the rare occasions. This is one I did see in the theater yeah. back in the day. I didn't get a chance to see this in the theater. Oh, my uh, God. Um, but as I read all about it, heard all about it, and as soon as it, they were like, bought. And just a cold, cold well, cold. not cold, but just blind Knowing by. a little bit uh-huh. of it. I fell in love with this movie. It was it's it spoke to me. I mean, with with the spooky kids, the hot werewolves. I mean, come on, you know, go down the list and just right? like check the check. anthology. It set up the rules of Halloween. Don't turn out your jack o' lanterns before midnight. You gotta follow the rules, right? It's it, it, it interconnected the stories wonderfully. The wraparound story became its own story, which was wonderful um and it had elements of everything you had like oh is it a creepy slasher turns out no it's not a vampire it's a, it's it's your principal right <laughs> charlie brown's an asshole 
<laughs> and then and you feel bad for the little kid, but at the same time, you know it deserves, but he can he's gonna carry on the traditions of Halloween. As Sam, Sam is an iconic character in himself. We can we can make the arguments with that there was this one, we have two icons going at it. That's what I also, yeah, there's going to, in terms of when we talk about cultural uh, aspect of it. Yeah, no, this is a film that works on so many levels. Yes. I was lucky enough to see it in the theater. Oh. This was now, I saw it back at the, uh, way back in at the Screenland. Uh, when it was just Screenland, it was uh -huh. only one location, getting regional here, but the 17th and Washington location. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, uh, it was again, word of mouth. I was always listening and what, no, I was not even listening back then in 2007. No, actually, I was probably just starting to listen to some podcasts back in 2007, but I was still big on, like, AinItCool.com. Right. Chud.com, you know, websites <laughs> yeah. like that. So I was familiar and had heard about it, and then I was like, oh, my God, it's showing here. And, oh, my God, it was such a treat, if you will. Yes. Because I also am a big fan of anthologies, and what was cool to me was the fact that it doesn't play like a traditional anthology. No. Kind of like waxwork, mm -hmm. but the way it's structured, it is totally an anthology. Even with the comic book opening, oh, you know? the, the, the was... score by uh, uh, and Laszlo is so good. Mm -hmm. um, also, I think one of the really cool things with it also is the fact that you mentioned before is you get really good actors in this. Mm -hmm. uh, Dylan Baker showing up, <laughs> which and let me tell you something. After watching Happiness, and anytime he show he's around with a kid. I'm just like, yo, we need an adult here. We need an adult. Stranger danger. like, Because he plays just unnerving. That one, he's that guy that lives in your neighborhood mm -hmm. that, you know, you think he's on the surface. On the up like and up. Like, <laughs> you know, in that backyard, right. he's got some secrets, Bodies man. And shit. Giving razor blade candy to Thurman Merman. Just like. <laughs> so what is your favorite segment in this one? Sam. Sam. Actually, you know, I love the Sam one, but. But I think my absolute favorite one, I think, is the uh, trick or treaters. Oh, with the kids, it that that never fails to scare me. Well, this, it works as it works as one of those urban tales, urban legends that mm -hmm. you would hear. It's an urban legend. It's a cautionary tale. It's a revenge tale, and it involves kids. The mm -hmm. killing of kids. Mm -hmm. So that in uh, and of itself tells by you by evil kids. By and then it wraps around that the guy that Sam is killing is the bus driver, which is probably one of the greatest little wraparound reveals that we mm -hmm. get. Which again, I appreciate because it works it itself. It weaves every story into it somehow. I love it because ultimately, let me let's face it. You know, if you're a cantankerous old man on Halloween, you're going to get your come up. Well, and I understand that. You know, <laughs> so at one point I was like, oh man, poor Brian Cox. And again, Brian Cox showing up <laughs> in an awesome genre film. Love that. But I kind of was like, oh, but, you know, I can't fault him for that. But when it ultimately becomes, you're like, oh, oh. you're the guy. Mm -hmm. It's delicious. And Sam is so awesome. Just a little spirit of Hall Sam Hain. Mm -hmm. Just, I love him. He's just, he's cute. And he'll kill you. And he's weird. He's like a perfect embodiment of growing up as the spooky kid. That is the one thing that's really interesting is the fact that it did create mm -hmm. an iconic character. Mm -hmm. And you that's hard to do. Yeah. And we've talked about it before. That's why you don't see everyone's waiting for the next Freddy. Or it's like, no, we have it. We have there's, Sam. There's Sam. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. no, And I, I would have to say in terms of the... Um, 
the segments. I like the werewolf one. Me too. And, and not not for that reason. You know, obviously, you know, we have our but uh, Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. She's so up. cute. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. As the, as the, as the littlest werewolf. I like the reveal in that one. <laughs> it's fun. And some people it's too obvious. I don't care if it's obvious. It's fun. It's fun. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Enjoy some some Halloween stories. And that's the thing. This film is fun. And let's face it. It also it is a Halloween yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It, it without a doubt set on Halloween involving the rules of Halloween. You have the spirit of Halloween. It, yeah. It's the platonic ideal mm-hmm. of Halloween. It is so much fun. Speaking of, of Halloween. Halloween and so much fun. <laughs> As it is, <laughs> this is not the first time we're going to talk about this particular film, uh, the remake of Halloween. We're, nope. of course, going to get into a little bit of Rob Zombie's Halloween. Uh, <clears throat> please check out our Halloween retrospective we did with Justin Beam. Mm-hmm. It's exhaustive. We go all into it. Uh, but this, again, the reason I enjoy doing this is revisiting <laughs> a lot of this stuff because I actually went back and I listened to a little bit about, you know, what we thought about the Halloween remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just, you know, a little time because this is about a year and a half ago, almost yeah. two years. Uh, it's, so it's been a while since I've watched it. So I rewatched it again. So that being said, let me ju- I'm just going to throw this out. You know, your initial thoughts in terms of the <laughs> Halloween. I despise this movie. <laughs> I mean, I really, really do. Um that being said, I appreciate what Mr. Zombie was trying to go for. I understand kind of what he wanted to do, but God damn it. You know, um, just taking one of my beloved icons and just giving him something that I didn't want, need, or de- this is not the Michael Myers I wanted nor deserved. <laughs> you know, but that being said, I can't deny how popular, um, important this movie is to a lot of people. This is their Michael Myers. This is their Halloween and good, bad and different. That's what they choose to. And so I appreciate and respect this Halloween with immense kudos that it gets. It's not for me, but I really respect it. So kudos to you, Mr. Zombie. Softer side of genius. (laughs) My goodness. Old age is tempering you there. Now, I agree. It's one of those films that I, uh, Zombie is one of those filmmakers that you all kind of set it perfectly. I appreciate what he does. Mm-hmm. I think his biggest weakness is as a writer. Unfortunately, I would love to see him direct something he hasn't written. Yeah. Because unfortunately, he falls into these really nasty, gnarly, uh, just in terms of his vernacular. And again, I'm no prude by any means. Right, right. I don't need to have, you know, anyone's skull fucking constantly. You yeah, know? In every single thing, right. Um <laughs> I so you know if you've listened to the podcast you know we hold Halloween in great esteem mm-hmm. and I think the first question you have to ask with a remake is does it need to be remade right what is it um we were so busy on wondering if we if we yeah, can we, yeah we should yeah if, if we, we should, should should we yeah no mm-hmm. unfortunately so um again in the the millennium this is what we this was the norm mm-hmm. um like I said I I like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake mm-hmm. you like the Friday the 13th remake mm-hmm. I saw this in the theater Okay, and so me too. And I'm a big fan of JC's. Um, I like a lot of the sequels. Part four, I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw H2O in the theater, and so for me, I was going in with not a lot of anticipation uh, because I I saw uh, both House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects in the theater. Yeah, so I've been out too. there trying to support Zombie. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, I every every time I see him or see a movie he does. 
I get more frustrated than happy. Exactly. I get more burned than I do like, yay. And I love his eye. I love his aesthetics, but there's just something that doesn't always, it doesn't always connect. Connect. Exactly. Um, I think his magnum opus was Devil's Rejects. Which is a bummer because that's another film that I just can't throw in any old day of the no, week. No, yeah. You know, I have me to me too. I it. mean, out of all of his movies, I think uh, Devil's Reject was the best, but that's like, for me, for a zombie, that's right. still. So, you know? in terms of remaking Halloween, to me, it doesn't need to be remade. Right. However, however, I can understand the argument, remaking it for another generation. generation. I hope with this remake coming up, I hope we'll see something a bit more. It's I, No, it's going to be a sequel, not a remake. That's right. Yeah. Very, well, I hope I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I think what needs to be done, I, I just don't think we needed to see a different side of Michael Myers. The Honestly, origins. though, well, that's the thing, though. As a remake, if you make it the exact same, a la Psycho, right. you're it's, fucked. Yeah. So I I. I appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate what he did. I just don't think the execution was as good as it But it was been. different, and I like that. I could have gone with that, but then in the second half, when you make Michael Myers the shape, this huge, rest like... Raw, this Hulk, unstoppable killing. I mean, he always is an unstoppable killing machine, but, here but he was just, in the shadows in the first one. Well, he here, was, he's like, I'm going to fuck some shit up. You know, <laughs> when I, and I'll be honest, man, when I watched this movie at this time, I was watching a lot of like um, flip this house shows for some and it was <laughs> kind of house hunting at the time. And I started laughing a little because when Michael Myers goes in, Rob Zombie's Michael Myers, it's like he was doing the construction or like just, the, you know, destroying part of a flipping house. Crown molding. Because <laughs> he just is a he's a just a solid mass of destruction himself, mm-hmm. just the character. And that's where I think for me, the disconnect came between zombies, Michael Michael Myers uh-huh. or the shape and Carpenter's the shape. Yeah. I, I think the shape in Carpenter's, you had to guess the shape. <laughs> I think you saw the shape in zombies. I yeah. mean, you know what shape he's a good shape. Rawr! And so basically <laughs> then the second half becomes just a, you know, a remake of the Slash, first one. Yeah. But I will give in terms of when one thing I've always loved about zombies films is the fact that he always casts old genre favorites in his mm-hmm. films. So the fact that Sybil Danning shows up as a nurse and you don't see her boobs in this film, it's right. incredible. Well, like, when was the last time that happened with Sybil Danning yeah. as a nurse, you know? And it was also nice to see Daniel Harris again for many reasons. One, the connectivity issues between, you know, the Halloween franchise and two, it's always nice to see Daniel Harris. It's so. No, it's and not for the right reasons actually at all there. So, and even Malcolm McDowell showing up. Um, <coughs> Michael Myers is fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> and modern day Malcolm McDowell, unfortunately, you know, <laughs> give or take, he's Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, I dug he's, it. I dug his Loomis. I ain't gonna lie. I think for me, his Loomis was the best shining part of this movie. Of the whole thing. Yeah, I think it, it gave it gave Loomis pathos, and it gave Michael Myers, young Michael Myers, pathos. But at the same time, I think it just gave more meat for him to chew on, and I loved it for it. So I really dug his. I really dug his Loomis. I'm telling you. Loomis for B can be him or Sam Neill. Goes either or Sam Neill. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see that too. No, I'm I'm curious to see what David Gordon Green does with the Halloween franchise. But um, yeah, you know what? I think you were damned if you were due, damned if you yeah. don't with this remake. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely 
a Rob Zombie Halloween, yeah. if you will. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a special UNC, like Vincent Price's <laughs> Halloween. Like, well, we now return to Rob Zombie's Halloween. Hey, we're going to be bobbing for... No, that's normal. I was trying to do a Vincent Price and Rob Zombie. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> Rob Zombie could just be just like us, man. Because yeah. yeah. that's the thing, I think the most frustrating aspect is when I hear him on podcasts, when you see... he just He's a good dude. Yeah. He's just a nerdy... He, he put us to shame with his knowledge. No, he's he's really cool. Like I said, I, I dig what he does. I appreciate him. It's just I don't think it just worked that time. So, so let's go to the rubric here then, okay. man. In terms of what is a better Halloween film bracket-wise, what is the best representation of halloween at trick-or-treat for me it's it sets up the rules it tells you what it is it's it's not just halloween itself the movie or the the, the, the holiday it's the spirit of it halloween trick or, i think for me it's going to have to be trick-or-treat it's a trick and a treat for me mm-hmm. no hands down so the nostalgia feel <laughs> trick-or-treat <laughs> i saw both in the theater but trick-or-treat was a better experience so i gotta mm-hmm. go trick-or-treat and then the cultural impact lasting to the genre. I gotta go Halloween on this one. I have I my my mind's telling me no, but my body, you know. I have to go. This is this is people's quintessential movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of people they have tattoos of them on their body. They got some of Sam too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Halloween has more of a lasting impression on a lot of people's minds and we have to inc- this is part of the halloween mythos in mm-hmm. terms of that that world there mm-hmm. i yeah i can't argue against that um even if i'm not a fan of the film right. unfortunately it's one of those so um i've got i'm gonna actually gonna go with uh, trick-or-treat going forward I'm, i agree okay so we come to agreeance on that uh-huh excellent well that leads us to wild card bitches and occasionally we come with our some of these films where we may not necessarily have a connection that we can throw them in a bracket, but we wanted to talk about them. Mm-hmm. And these are two of those films here. And mm. two interesting films, kind of polar opposites. I'm kind of curious because we've never talked about these. No, we haven't. At all. So Mm-mm. the first one, let's go ahead and break it down. Uh-huh. We have Wrong Turn 2 versus Frank Darabont's The Mist. Um, you want to talk a little bit about Wrong Turn 2? So Wrong Turn 2, I, I this is one didn't see in the theater Big surprise because it didn't make it to the theater. This mm-hmm. was a direct-to-video film. And this is a direct-to-video film, a sequel to a film that I actually I saw the first wrong turn in the theater. Me too, because Elijah Dusku was in it, and there was a yeah, like, cr- crazy hillbilly killing in it. And I, and I was like, okay, cool, I want to check this movie out. And I, I liked it. it I mean, I, I dug the movie. I, I had fun with it. Yeah. I had fun with it. Now, I also thought that definitely you can see how you could expand that mm-hmm. world. Yes. Um, but there's, I was, there's, there's more than one hillbilly <laughs> out in the woods. A lot of hillbillies out a lot, there. A lot, a lot of crazy mutant hillbillies. But I was really late to the game. In fact... I really probably I so this came out in 2007 I probably didn't see this until maybe about five years ago so mm-hmm. I was really late to the game to it but it's directed by one Joe Lynch who were yeah. big fans <laughs> of uh, Everly uh, you've got mm-hmm. um, the recent Mayhem coming out cannot wait um, Nights of Badassum all of those mm-hmm. and so this one is it could have been just such a just forgetful direct-to-video sequel to a film people maybe didn't want a sequel to. Right. And what does he do? He <laughs> makes one of the most fun, throwback, gory, nasty, what-am-I-watching film yeah. that I was just blown away by 
because of the jeer, just the sheer bug fuckery <laughs> of what was happening yeah. in this movie. In terms of the opening kill, when that happens, when you get now, here's what's interesting with this film was I'm a little out of touch, especially around 2006, 2007, popular culture. But the kill, the um, the the lead, the girl that starts off with the film was from um, uh, the singing show, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, American, American Idol. Idol. Thank you. And so she ends up getting this horrible, gnarly split death. And <laughs> the kills in this film, the level of gore that Lynch <laughs> yeah. employs. <coughs> Significantly more than the original. Bravo. One. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of, because you know, that's what you want to do with a sequel. You got to up, up the gore. Up the ante. He truly does in a gleeful way. And it comes through on film, too. Um, and then the whole idea in setting it within a reality TV show. So you get some of the found footage aspect, but not as much. That it doesn't really come into play no. that much yeah. at all. Um, I think adds to like the why and why they're there and yeah. so forth. You know, uh, Henry Rollins <laughs> showing up is just just the cherry on the Sunday for me. Um, yeah, The characters... You know what? I'm good with them dying. You right. Know? So, I know. He, sometimes you need fodder. You I know? know he tried to make them more likable, but there's some but. of them that I'm just like, I'm glad you're you're gone. Lousy kids. Uh, <laughs> he throws in the gratuitous uh, boob shot. Mm. I mean, this is an '80s throw. This felt like it could have come out in '87. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that's what. And I had fun with it as well. That's the other thing. I was such. It was such a surprise. When they when they up the level of the incest between the little hell, the hillbilly family, when the brother and sister, when he's jerking off, I'm you're, you're watching this going, what am I watching? Like I just said, this little hillbilly jerking off, watch it. It's your uh, and you're like, okay, uh, I'm gonna I, go with I, this. I'll, 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 let, let's see what happens. Yeah, I, I'll allow this. So, yeah. You know, you feel like you're you're making judgment on something. Carry on, yeah, carry on. Let's, let's, let's see where this is going. And also, just in terms of the gore, like if you, this is one of those films. I think that would work well with like uh, Dead Alive yeah. in terms of all you can eat barbecue. Oh, yeah. Because at the end, when they're going, and there is a great big massive chipper in this one as well, which is fantastic, which shows up in 30 Days of Night as well. Yeah. <laughs> which I love you get that. Uh, that there must be a big chipper. Must be a chipper. <laughs> sponsored, by the chi- sponsored by the chipper. Sponsored by the chipper. But uh, it just, it's so, it's gooey. It's gory. It's goopy. It's everything you would want an 80s film to be mm-hmm. that shows up in 2007. Right. Right. And my hat's off to that, to the fact that I, being that was his feature film, I think it's a great calling card. Yeah. Because like I said, you you know, when you, I think when you're an up and coming film, you get that one film that gets to be kind of your homage to mm-hmm. the ones back in the day. You can also sprinkle them, you know, because you'll see that Without never really. Yeah. But this one is his most, this is what, this is the one I wish he could have shot in 87. So I could have seen the pictures <laughs> in Fangoria. Right. And gone, oh my God, oh, that would have been too. That would have been that's dope. unreal, right? Just split people. <laughs> Just because that's something you would have seen yeah. in there. And so, yeah, so my, I had a blast with Wrong Turn 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a fun movie. It's a blast. So we paired it with a film that. I know every a lot of people have a really weird relationship with this film. Yeah. We're talking about Frank Darabont's The Mist, based on a short story by Stephen King. Um, this movie is dark. It's bleak. Um, you have threats on the outside and on the inside of your shelter. Um, there's a lot of different themes going on. Um, it To me, it's one of those beautifully shot, movies with a lot of social mess and then there's big giant monsters you're never really good to get see it but i think what people will take away from this movie the most is the ending of this movie 
this the ending of this movie is such an emotional gut punch it's a total greek tragedy and a lot of people don't like the ending because you root for tom jane and uh the and, and andrea from the walking dead to sur- to survive with his adorable kid after they just not only did they have to fight the angry religious zealots oh jesus christ right not <laughs> but then they had to fight the giant spiders and the ones the the big giant slimy creature creatures and marcia gay harden is so terrifyingly she, real and scary in that film she is Ooh. 10 times more terrifying than the the creatures and them themselves mhm Humanity is always its most worst, its own worst enemy. Oh, she was awful and vile. Did you see this one in the theater? I did. I did get the chance to. And I, knowing, like, oh, cool, it's a Stephen King movie. Cool. From the guy who did Shawshank and Green Mile. Cool. All right. Let's see what he does with the horror. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. I mean, tears were coming down my eye. I was like, oh my gosh. So, spoilers. Um, when he has to make that final choice and he shoots his kid and not but two minutes later, salvation is right there. And you could just see him cursing the gods. Such a powerful. I could see where people at Roman Colosseums seeing like really seeing like Oedipus Rex and seeing all these great tragedies perform at the first time. I, I saw that when I saw the mist. I agree that it was definitely a gut punch. I like the changing of the ending because it definitely goes against the original little novella that's based on. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was the time. Uh, here's the thing. It was too much the way it was presented in terms of the timing. It was just just for them to show up immediately after he kills them. Then you get the <laughs> music, which heightened again. I, I love that kind of stuff, but it was just too emotionally manipulative for me. Uh-huh. For me, if it, it that you could have still taken the same ending and worked, but maybe like do a time cut where it's been a day and they're still waiting and they're still pondering or, you know, uh, he kills them all. And then he's waiting a little bit more time, maybe an hour at least, but not that that was just, that was just too much for me. That ending the way it was. Right. And it it didn't take me out of it, but I was like, Oh man. Right. Well, I could see that. I mean, yeah, he he did kind of give up pretty easy. And it was just, and it was, it was just, it was just like, it was just like wanting to check the 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 just the most emotionally manipulative, nasty stuff that we can but do. But you know what? You know why it's emotionally manipulative at the checklist? Because it fucking worked on me. You <laughs> know, genius I mean, shell. it did. I mean, and I'm not one that like goes out and like, all right. I mean, I'll click off the Sarah McLaughlin commercials as soon as I see them. You know, like, nope, right? But it it fucking worked. I mean. It totally worked for me. And I can see it is super divisive. And it not is, even on is. just that, but a lot of people are like, oh, man, boo, I got to kill the kid. You know, I'm like, decisions have to be made sometimes, man. Maybe not as quick as you did. <laughs> sometimes you just got to, like, wait it out a little bit longer. But but in fairness, we didn't know how long they were. I mean, they were driving for a while. That's but, true. You that's know. true. It was just, like I said, it's it doesn't, I don't hold that against the film because the only thing I had issues with it the first time I uh, watched it, because I'm, a, like I said, I'm a huge fan of the novella part, mm-hmm. um, was this, this kind of the CGI took me a little out of it. However... The beauty of this film, and yes. in terms of my appreciation, grew ten times when I saw the black and gray version. The black and gray version is the way to see this movie. Yes. I, I Agreed 110%. Mm-hmm. It makes it a totally different viewing experience. Yes. Uh, just in terms of, even just, it melds and kind of camouflages the CGI, uh-huh. but also it gives it truly 
kind of a Twilight Zone feel. <laughs> yes, it makes it very old school, but yet very prominent. Gnarly. I mean, I mean, even a lot of the like religious and mm-hmm. uh, the the zealot aspects of it are still kind of spun on nowadays too. So a lot of social commentary and the, the fact that it's the military that well that caused it. You know, who burst of the government, man? Exactly, and I love the beginning. He's he's painting the thing poster. Yeah, and yeah, actually, in all of those in the background, I think were uh, uh, Dr- oh, good lord. The gentleman that actually gave us all of those people, yeah, it's um, Drew, no, Drew Schusman. Thank you. There we go. Yeah, they were all they were all kind of mm-hmm. an homage to that. So yeah, yeah no, it's uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. Saw it in the theater. Had a great time with it. So let's to the ringer. Let's do it. Okay. First category: uh, representation of the wild card. It's a wild card. Man. Wild card. Let's. Um, I don't know. We can flip for it. <laughs> I'm because it's a wild card because um, it's because I've had fun with it. I'm gonna throw in it's a wrong turn too. I'm okay. gonna give it a little love. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with the mist. Okay. How about nostalgia for this one? Um. I gotta go with the mist, dude. I yeah. Gotta go with the mist on this one. I mean, wrong turn two is a fun movie, but. The fact that I just when I like I had that experience in the theater, like like, wow. Then yeah, the mist for me that works. Uh, I'm gonna say the same thing. Uh, loved the the short story, the novella. Loved the movie. Love me wrong term too. But in terms of the nostalgia factor, definitely the mist. Mm-hmm. So in terms of cultural significance to genre, I'm gonna have to go with wrong term two on this one because. It's a very competent sequel that built a franchise. Um, and the only reason why I'm choosing that over the... Well, one of the reasons why I'm choosing over The Mist, The Mist is better seen in the in alternate version, mm-hmm. the the black and white mm-hmm. version. So when it first came out, it didn't really... Sp- I mean, there was, I'm sure they're like, this it is a great movie, but-, but it's significantly better altered. So for that alone, for cultural significance, that kind of like... Negates, negates it. it. So that's why I'm going to go wrong turn two on this one. And I'm going to go wrong turn two as well because it gave us the first film from a filmmaker whose work Very is true. only continuing. Very true. It's only getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. I, our friend Adrian saw Mayhem, said it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's continuing on. So for me, I think in terms of significance and what it started with the genre, I am going to go to wrong turn two as mm-hmm. well. Um, but that being said, Frank Darbont knows slouch in the horror community. He brought us Walking Dead. Yeah. So Co wrote uh, Dream Warriors. Uh huh. And all the other. And he directed all the other uh, Stephen King prison movies. Exactly. (laughs) He's got a thing. (laughs) So So I'm going to have to say as much as it pains to to vote against it, just but I have to go with, you know, kind of reality here. I'm going to go with the mist for going through going through. I was going to go wrong turn, too. Are you? Uh, But I'm going to change my vote then and I'm going to say wrong turn, too. I'll give you wrong turn, too. Yes. Thank you. You know, and the only reason I didn't want to put too much uh, hindrance on our listeners there. Yeah. I didn't want to have them, you know, we already got We already have them going against uh, uh, wreck and paranormal. Like, yeah, dude, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I am so happy to say, guys, wrong turn, too, with a major upset in the wild card. Yay! <laughs> you bet you got to go wild card, bitches. Wild card. So man, so so making to yeah. the uh, the scream sixteen here. We have uh, twenty eight weeks later. Mm-hmm. We have trick or treat, and we have wrong turn two. Mm-hmm. We're gonna leave it to you guys. Uh, Who goes on wreck or paranormal activity? So I'll be anxious to see how that turns out there. So um, next week we are finalizing the first round here, mm-hmm. traveling all the way back to nineteen seventy seven, and yep. 
Um, you guys better get like. Um, you better. You guys ready to get weird? It's. <laughs> you guys ready to get real weird? <laughs> got a little dirty and grimy here, cause let me tell you, I've been revisiting some of these. And <laughs> good lord, get your showers ready, cause mm-hmm. a lot of them are going to be taken. Uh, Genius, tell us what are we going to be talking about next week? Next week we're going back into the ages of bell bottoms and afros <laughs> with Suspiria versus Shockwaves. We have uh, Hills Have Eyes versus Eaten Alive, Rabbit versus Martin. And Hasu versus the Sentinel. Again, a huge, crazy, varied group of films. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prepare for bug fuckery. <laughs> yeah, truly, truly BFery on that one. Uh, <coughs> so, again, make sure you're following and playing along at home on mm-hmm. Twitter. We're at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook, Nightmare Junkhead. Uh, check us out over at downrightcreepy.com. Mm-hmm. So, until next week, gang, uh, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. Mm-hmm.